0: This is Talking Mule Deer with your hosts Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. Talking Mule Deer takes you on a journey to learn more about the Mule Deer Foundation, mule deer and black-tailed deer biology and management, tips and tactics for hunting, conservation issues, and even features some of our corporate and celebrity partners. Now, let's start talking mule deer.
1: Hey, you're talking mule deer. I'm Steve Belinda, your host, and today we have with us uh, the owner and president Butch Whiting from Cryptic Outdoors, and also. Our dear friend, uh, Dr. Mule Deer, uh, Jim Heffelfinger from the Arizona Game and Fish. Welcome, gentlemen. I'm uncomfortable with the doctor reference, for sure. (laughs) That's sort of a joke, (laughs) an ongoing joke between Jim and I. But, uh, Rich, welcome back. You know, you joined us last year.
0: Thanks for having me back.
1: Um, You know, I recently saw a picture of a buck you shot down in Mexico. Yeah. And what we really wanted to talk about today was that whole what's the story behind I know very little about hunting mule deer in Mexico. I see great bucks coming out of there every year. And just, you know, it sounded like there was a story and a quest behind this. So tell us, you know, what's going on here. You know, start wherever you want to start, but give give us the download
0: on it. Well, um, first of all, the buck that you saw a picture of is phenomenal. Um He's uh, just everything you imagine when uh, you think about Mexico mule deer. Um, so the quest that I have uh, had is a long one, and um, I think total days all in we're pushing thirty days to actually
1: of hunting days
0: of hunting days, not travel days and
1: planning days, and thinking about it. No, days. it's like
0: it's like days in Mexico um, hunting mule deer and. The, it's hunting for me in Mexico. Uh, first of all, it was a aspirational quest, you know, to kill a giant Sonora mule deer, uh, free range. Um, but also, it's probably one of the psychological toughest mental hunts that I've that I've ever done. Why is that? Well, because you spend uh, days and days and days just looking at. Cactuses and brush, and uh, you're seeing deer um, every day. But uh, the way that they hunt down there, and it's the only way I think that they can actually do it successfully, is from a high rack. So you're you're hunting on top of a truck that has a cage built around it.
1: I've seen those in Texas, yeah, right?
0: Yeah. They use them in Texas too. But this is free range, right? So you're okay. out on a ranch that's hundreds of thousands of acres. And you're driving around and you're just looking at cactuses and basically you're hunting this narrow band of maybe 100 yards on each side of the road. And I've gotten down and I've actually tried to hunt them like I would out west, right? And it's like hunting, I guess the analogy would be for the guys from Idaho and uh, northern Nevada and Arizona is like you enter into the thickest, nastiest juniper patch and now you're, you're in that juniper patch and yeah. if you're going to get it done. You're going to be within five to ten yards, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that, but a, in a, a macro type level. And so, you'll go days and, and days, and uh, and it just starts to wear on you, like you're just staring, <laughs> uh, staring at all this, all this brush and you know cactus and, and so on. The terrain's also stupid, uh, difficult. Uh, once you do get down, everything is you know like Arizona, trying Sticks to trying and to bite you. stick you, bite you. Uh, stab you so on and so forth but um but then uh you know when you do i mean i saw several good bucks over this quest but it's only a glimpse right yeah. and so to so is this multi-year multi-year three years
1: three-year quest
0: yeah three for years. a buck of hunting
1: in a difficult situation in yeah. terrain that's nasty yeah and then you have to make a you know when you see these bucks i, I imagine that you have to make a very quick decision whether it meets the caliber yeah. that you're looking
0: you for. do um and there's kind of a Uh, I guess an unwritten rule is, like, if you're going to look at a buck, look at it through your rifle scope, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's (laughs) always good advice. Yeah. Yeah. You don't look and then decide. Yeah. You get get in all
2: position and then you evaluate.
0: So, um, and I saw some just tanks of bucks, but here they were for a second and gone over this quest, right? And so you've got this, like, you know, couple sightings to just keep you going, keep you going. In the meantime, you're also seeing these bucks that do get harvested and they're just traumatizingly huge <laughs> right and so you've got this, you this know there. these images seared into your mind and you never know uh you never know what's going to show up yeah. um this specific ranch that i was hunting on uh it's a working ranch right and so they inside the ranch have a, a 200 acre alfalfa field and it's got does all over, and it's pulling. Those does are pulling bucks from 20, 30 miles away. Wow! And so you never know what they're you're going to what time. you're going to see. So, Jim, know. is that
1: normal? Yeah, bucks going yeah. that far?
2: They roam and they look for doe groups and they look for does that are close to estrus. And and you've got a low density deer population in thick cover, and so they're you know where you saw a deer once. May, he may not be there next week, and you you get new deer coming in all the time.
0: Yeah, nobody had seen that big, uh, two hundred and two inch deer that I killed, mainframe four x four. They no one had ever seen it before. Wow. So so
1: so the first year. Let's go back to year one. You decide yeah. to go to Mexico. You, you put a standard on yourself. I'm not gonna. I'm going after an animal of this caliber. That's right. You go out. Did you see any of that first year? Did you have dreams? I saw, Between year one I and saw. Year two?
0: I saw one on the ground that somebody else had harvested. Um, year two, same thing. Saw a couple that were just traumatizing. I saw uh, a buck that was 36 inches wide and scored 231 inch, uh, wow. points. And um, I was like, I mean, I literally fondled that set of <laughs> horns for hours, right? So... Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I never I never actually had an opportunity where I was going to pull the trigger uh, up until this deer that I was able to harvest. And once I found this buck, here's the rest of the story on this. I, um, alls we saw was a couple inches of its back right forks, and we didn't even know if it was a shooter, and it was bedded down. And I literally sat on the gun for an hour, trying to see if this, you know.
1: So you're in the back of the truck in up yeah. in the shooting area, waiting, just waiting. Waiting. It's it hot, Be- I bet. Was it bedded or just? Feet? It was bedded.
0: <laughs> okay, bedded down, and uh, after you know 15 minutes, I actually started to question. The lights starting to fade, and I started to question. Oh, is this is this a really a? Uh, couple times on a on a rack i actually i thought is are those sticks because as the sun started to shift the reflection started to change and i really started to you know doubt myself right and uh i'm hunting with uh, some mexican guides and they uh they you know said no no that's that's definitely a deer but at about 20 25 minutes finally he picked his head up he literally was like had his head on the ground and then he turned his head, and when he turned his head, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. That's a shooter. That's yeah. a shooter. Yeah. So then the dilemma became, okay, uh, I'm up against the sun setting, and it's going to be dark. Mm-hmm. And so I'm waiting for this deer to come up. Some does actually uh, came through, and he didn't move. It was really super surprising. Yeah. He didn't get up. A lot and, of
2: times those bigger bucks, it's the last minute. It's just the last minute. So and they're up feeding early, and they're down fast
0: so he 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 never got up when the does came through um and then the lights fading the lights fading and i am now saying it's going to get dark and i've got to make a decision what am i going to do so i ended up shooting this buck the first shot in its bed it, it through the brush <laughs> guessing where his vitals were okay right i mean it worked out and my o- my only other option was to let this deer go and try to find him again and you can imagine after 30 some odd days i mean yeah, yeah that's it a, wasn't appealing it wasn't appealing <laughs> at all
1: so in a lot of places in the west when we're hunting mule deer you can leave a buck and come back the next morning yeah, and they're there right is that the same down there or are they gone <sighs> it's, it's so thick probably chances of yeah you might never
0: it. see that deer again yeah you might never see it again and nobody might see it again not so like an
2: open hillside in the Rocky Mountains, where they're going to be hanging over on that ridge.
0: That's right, and and uh, in another scenario, if I were doing that hunt, say in Colorado or Idaho or Nevada, um, I would have probably just, you know, said, "Okay, uh, we'll um, we'll come back tomorrow and find them again."
1: So you take the shot. You're pretty confident.
0: Yeah, take the shot. I'm pretty confident. Uh, nothing happens with the first shot, and I'm like. <laughs> you know i'm expecting something to happen uh so it's a real quick second shot
2: you're ready for a second shot and
0: i I made a second shot and then he stood up and i had a full view of his vitals and i put another shot but after inspecting the deer all three were lethal shots all three shots were so then you get into the experience the sun's about to set now i'm like oh my gosh, you know, and you walk up on this deer and there's like, it just keeps getting bigger. <laughs> so bigger. there was no ground shrinkage. There's no, no <laughs> ground shrinkage. It's just like, oh my gosh. And then the mass, it's everything you want from a uh, uh, um, Sonora, Mexico deer. mule deer, you know? So um, the, probably the most impressive thing about the deer down there I think is the mass. Yeah. I mean, it's just. And the width. I love the width on this big horn yep. deer. Yeah. This, that this specific buck is uh, 32 inches outside. Oh wow. And, um, and, ma- and just massive. And 29, uh, 29 insides. And 39 inches of mass. So that's Man. that's what makes, you know. Makes Were your guides impressed? Everybody was <laughs> <laughs> very happy. Extremely, extremely happy. You know, I can't say enough about these guys. So the guides are actually working ranch hands. Uh-huh. And they know the deer. They know the habitat. They know the ranch. They know the habitat. When they're not, you know, hunting's like a vacation time for them. Uh, yeah, I bet. But otherwise, they're out actually working the cattle, and uh, the other you know aspects of the ranch and so on. So
2: yeah. year round, when they're on the ranch, they're seeing they're seeing deer, and, and yeah. they know they know what deer are out there.
0: So yeah. how many deer do they take on
1: a place? I mean, how big was the ranch? How, do they take a lot of deer? Do they get a lot of hunters? I know what you said it was an outfitter, but is it similar to what we see in the states for yeah. southwestern or western mule deer hunting?
0: Well, I I. They they take I want to say I'm gonna guess this but it's like maybe if every single person tagged out it would be 12 deer a year, mm-hmm. okay. but um, the opportunity to kill a like a a Mui, Mui grande um, versus like killing a 185 inch deer you know there's the small the small bucks are like one 180s wow. 185 <laughs> yeah
1: did you find it hard to pass up bucks that you normally would have shot
0: yeah. Yeah, the f- the first uh, the first uh, time I I did, you know, but you have to keep reminding yourself, you know, you're not hunting in Utah or Idaho or or wherever. I I took a friend down this year to Mexico, his first time, and he passed up a deer the first day, and he got some photos of it, and he's haunted by it. <laughs> um, keeps looking at it, and you know this this deer wasn't like you know. Uh, he was probably like a 190-type deer, wow. but his frame just laid out. He just had <laughs> short tines. I mean, this deer was pushing like 35 inches. Wow, right? and that's that's, 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 that's big what's width th- over height. I love
2: those big wide snorts. Big,
0: yeah, big wide heavy uh, deer. But to your question, yeah, I mean, you're seeing you know these really really good bucks that back home you would yeah. they would be they would be you'd be thrilled to harvest
1: I actually drew a really good Montana elk tag this year and the first bulls we saw were a 350 and 400 class bull and so I said there's the bar guys and I end up not taking an animal after being looking at you know at least 20 bulls that I would have killed in any other year bow rifle you name it and probably 60 bulls all together over the 23 day hunting period and Yeah. You know, people ask me, do you feel, I said, no, you don't kill a big bull or a big buck if you shoot the little ones.
0: That's right. (laughs) Well, you know that, um, that buck I told you guys about that, that giant, uh, 231 inch deer. Well, the rest of the story on that is my good buddy, uh, Tony Caligiuri, he's the president of Boyt Mm -hmm. Harness Company. I had dinner with him not long ago at the Boone and Crockett. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's been hunting on this place for 16 years. 16 years he's he's been hunting in this specific rancho hunting's the name of it uh mario and aleandro camus the operation mm-hmm. he had a slot last year for a high level visibility celebrity and that guy fell through so he made a a phone call to his insurance agent and he said hey do you want to go to sonora on a mule deer hunt and he's like you know what um that's really interesting he goes I've never hunted mule deer. In fact, I've never seen a mule deer. <laughs> oh, no. Okay? All right. So keep in mind, I've got all these days and all this time, right? So the insurance agent, you know, gets his stuff, and he goes down. And uh, long story short is is that um, uh, opening day, first day, not opening day, but first day, first light, this insurance agent has this buck materialized in front of him. <laughs> and his Mexican guide's like, choot, choot. And he's like, are you serious? Is that a it's, big one? It's the only the <laughs> first four minutes of the hunt. He's like, shoot, shoot. So he convinces him to shoot, and he ends up with this 231-inch oh, mule deer. Man. First mule deer he'd ever seen oh, live.
1: Wow. That's incredible. So you
0: got a, you got one spectrum of, like, my quest, which is, you know, let's say three trips, and you got another spectrum. A guy gets a last-minute invite and goes down and, and shoots an absolute monster. Okay. right?
1: Well, you know, we hear those stories across the country, and I think that's what excites me continually about hunting, is Is, is unless you're out there, you never know what you're going to find or have the opportunity. And people that stay at home because of the weather, or the yep. wind, mm-hmm. or they're just defeated mentally, may miss out on that opportunity to have that buck come by. You yeah. know,
2: those ranches down there, I mean, you're not going to get people to pay good money to come down and shoot spikes and forward horns, so... To get big antlers, you need age. You need to let them grow old We're a real light harvest, like 12 on a huge ranch. And, and you need good genetics, and genetics are normally there in every gene pool. If you let them get old and you make sure they have good nutrition, you're going to have some, some, some big antlers in an older age class population. And that brush down there is all high in protein. And when they get rains in the spring and some summer rains the monsoon rains down there in the summer rain they produce that carpet of green forbs and and herbaceous stuff that's super high in energy and super high in in nutrition for them so they've got good protein to grow antlers and they've got that good pulses of good energy throughout have the year. You, have
0: you ever looked at the skull plate on a sonora mule deer and seen that hump that's between the pedestals i've
2: seen it on big mature deer yeah but you think it's a sonoran characteristic i
0: that well that's your dr deer i was, yeah. i think it is and uh-huh. and, and uh it's i see a new pr- chapter in your book right it's very i pr- haven't seen enough skulls to look at that kind of comparison to see whether that falls out it, it's so. really prominent it's uh kind of like if you took a quarter of a baseball and cut it the top of it uh-huh. and it's right ball. on top i've seen that wow. on big
2: skulls but but never associated with sonoran skulls
0: uh, well i've you know, I've wondered if that's a specific genetic trait um, to those Sonora mule deer. There's all kinds of other interesting stuff that, too. This is something that you never see in the United States. When you when you harvest a deer, these cowboys and they call them cowboys, they they don't gut the deer for probably two, maybe three days. They'll let that deer sit. Now, what do you do with the meat? You can bring it back. I can bring it back. We actually drove down from Tucson. Right. Um, there's uh, some challenges and stuff, but they make it into jerky. Everything gets turned into jerky. The entire deer gets turned into jerky.
1: But they probably don't have the food storage capabilities that we have in the states with freezers. They, and, no walk-in
0: you know, freezers. You know, and I've questioned like, "Hey, aren't we gonna take care of that deer?" Them, and they're like, "Oh, no, it's good, it's good." And then the process is freaking fascinating. It's like. Uh, like what you would expect to see if you were, you know, with the Native Americans. I mean, like Dances with Wolves type thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These guys are jerking this entire deer. They mm-hmm. hang the meat uh, after it gets salted outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that becomes what the, their main staple that Tarneseca. they eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: They'll, and they'll shred it up and put it in the frying pan with a little bit of oil and tomatoes and onions. Now, and a,
0: coo- a coos deer, though, that's like that's premium for them, yeah. you know, they're going to they eat, eat that like a steak, right? But the mule deer, they, they turn the So entire... it's
1: almost like the aging debate with yeah. waterfowl and game birds. Yeah, exactly. The guts in. Wow. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty. Wow, nice. that's great. So when I think of mule deer, you know, I've, I'm pretty schooled on this issue. I oftentimes don't think about Mexico, but if you go back and look, you know, you look at the mountain ranges, you look at some of the work by Aldo Leopold and others, you know, there are a lot of mule deer in Mexico. Jim, you know, can you give us the range and, you know, Butch, why did you choose that specific area?
0: Well, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, which is uh, Tony Calajuri and Boyd. And the group that is hunting there, um, you know, they've had a long history with this place. And, uh, and so it was kind of an introduction, you know, through their experiences. Mexico has changed a lot a whole bunch over the last let's say 10 years um prior to me going down there was all kinds of uh warnings from the state department with Mm -hmm. travel do not travel because
1: of cartels yeah exactly
0: the The cartel is primarily the major thing so um the if you do go you want to go with somebody that you uh, have a lot of confidence in and i had uh, all the confidence Mm -hmm. in the world because of they've been there so long so long Mm -hmm. and then you're also being in this case uh the uh, the owners uh, come up and pick you up in Tucson, and then bring you down through the border. Oh,
1: okay, so they help you get through the customs. Yeah, I, the first
0: time I went, I flew into Hermosillo, and then and then drove up. Um, it's in my opinion, it's easier if you can go Tucson and drive down just from the the gun permitting and and. So you all were able
1: to take your own firearms yeah. with you. Yeah, you, yeah.
0: You you submit your paperwork, you get some documentation, yeah. and then about it's kind of interesting. You blow through the security on the U.S. Nogales border, yeah. and then about, I don't know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes in it, you come into a military checkpoint, and that's where you you pull in, and everybody, you open up all your guns and gun cases and ammo, and they come out, and they count your ammo, and they look at the, number. the serial numbers, and... Yeah, and it, I I didn't have any problems. I've heard some guys if you're off like one number or something, you can mm-hmm. be hung up there. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: I went through that when we went to South Africa. You know, with, with yeah. the inspection, with your four four five seven forms and right. all the other stuff, import fees, and you know, but they were very very clear about. Making sure your serial numbers match and yeah. that yeah. they can read your writing. You well, that's why it's
2: important to go with people that yeah. know, know
1: what the deal is. And, and know
0: you is. know, it goes back into this quest, this mental passion to go kill this giant Sonora mule deer. My wife's, you know, looking at the uh, the conditions and she's like, are you crazy? And, <laughs> you know, uh, and I'm, I'm like, yeah, I guess I am a little bit because I've, mm-hmm. you know, got this idea of maybe harvesting a giant Sonora mule deer. So, um, but you know uh it was uh overall super um safe for us you know that's always i guess would be the other consideration if you're thinking about going down to uh mexico
2: i've gone down and given talks on mule deer in in chihuahua and chihuahua city at the the request of some of the the mexican biologists and people and and we've had some of the same experiences not bringing firearms through but you, you they've come pick me up at the border and and you stop at the checkpoint and the 16 year old has the the MP5, and he's <laughs> never been to hunter education, so he's swinging the barrel back and
1: forth. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, Jim, uh, what's the range of mule deer in Mexico? Goes down
2: to Zacatecas. We always say that mule deer are in North America from A to Z, from Alaska the, the blacktails down to Zacatecas. So, well, we have we have mule deer in
1: Fairbanks now. I mean, in Fairbanks, yeah, that's right. That's They're right. expanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Zacatecas south, south, Yeah, south, so that's Mexico. south of Sonora. Yep, okay. that's down
2: there by Durango. So they get down to about Durango and Zacatecas. Uh, down there okay we and then and,
1: you know i've always thought they were mountain you know uh, of yeah in the and-
2: southwest right in the southwest they're they're lowland flat um flat country you know, in the, in the Rocky Mountain West, you've got whitetail along the riparian areas and in the valleys, and you've got mule deer up in the mountains. And that completely reverses in the southwest where we have our little cow's whitetail up in the mountains above 4,000 feet elevation, and the desert mule deer are down there in the flats and the mesquite grasslands in yeah. Sonoran Desert.
1: Do we still have some native – I think there's still jaguars down there. And, oh, absolutely. You know, mountain lions and other Arizona. things. So it's um, – mm-hmm. It's actually a lot less developed, you know. You probably didn't see the number of roads and. The oh my gosh, it, it is!
0: Mm-hmm. It is like, you let your imagination go. I mean, you are in the middle of nowhere. The one closest town is called Benjamin Hill. Oh yeah, and. uh... You been to the Camus
2: Ranch. You talked about the Camus family, yeah, right? We were yeah. down there years ago with Mass Bobwhite stuff, and so Alejandro Camus had us at his place. I'm familiar with that whole area. Oh, Benjamin yeah. Hill was the last place that native Mass Bobwhites were.
0: So, oh, really? North of, north of uh-huh. Did you know that there is a uh, story that um, that ranch would build, this is, you know, a couple hundreds of years ago, they would build these lookout towers and put dummies in the tower to ward off these apache raids and the rest of the story is is that the Camus that that they started to call this uh camouflage and that the name originated oh, from, from the that. Camus. Camus ranch. Camouflage. really you have to <laughs> ask tony Caligiri about it he's uh-huh. he's the one uh-huh. that uh has got all the connections on it but if that were true it'd even be more fascinating did they
1: ask you about your camouflage you were wearing did you take some the nice desert they, stuff down they
0: or? yeah so the Camus family and the, all the ranchers down there love cryptic they absolutely love it so they all wear it and uh they're huge fans of uh of the, our camo yeah uh,
2: the cryptic water bottle i've got here in the table i didn't bring <laughs> this for you it goes everywhere really yeah, well you know our, our life member
1: bottle. jackets now are cryptic jackets and, I, and, and I know it's, 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 you guys you've been a great partner you know, the story you told us last year how you developed that. I mean, that's still yeah. one of our higher listened to mm-hmm. episodes. I and, love uh, that one. I, really I tell it. folks about that all the time and I said, you know, hey, I, you know, Butch yeah. is great, you know, their stuff is quality and you know, it sounds like it's ever evolving. What's what's new on the horizon for Cryptic? Uh do you have are you excited about anything for 2020 and beyond?
0: Well, I am excited about one specific program. Uh it could be used in hunting early season, but it's our combat collection. Uh, We designed it specifically in collaboration with uh, U.S. Spec Ops and there's um, an enormous amount of uh, traction and lift with foreign militaries and specifically counter-terrorist organizations. So uh, that's new. There's a lot of guys that are looking at that for early season bow hunting and also specifically back in these areas like in Arizona where you want to have some durability to your apparel. So the stickers Mm -hmm. and and stuff just aren't, you know, shredding your, <laughs> shredding your gear. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah, we also have several new pieces that we've brought in for our altitude collection, which is our super high-end hunting collection. Mm. Um, and uh, and so that's cool. And, and uh, yeah, there's production with several different uh, new things that are underway. They're going to be launched this fall. Um, but, but the stuff that's new right now, like in our booth, um, you know, that's on the shelf and ready to go is uh, several new pieces in the... Uh, and the altitude collection, layering pieces and fleeces and so on. So we're always adding and improving and, and, um, and back to the point with, uh, involvement with mule deer foundation, I absolutely love mule deer hunting. I, I think I've said this before, if somebody held a gun to my head and said, you could only hunt one species yeah. for the rest of your life, it, it would be mule deer. And it all goes back into the culture of how I grew up, you know, hunting mule deer. And so, um, yeah, I love, I love, uh, what the mule deer foundation is doing and ensuring that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to hunt mule deer for generations and generations to come. We're getting ready to drop a video. We got permission from Idaho Wild Fishing Game to film an event that we've been involved with uh, ever since I moved back to Idaho, I think, in 2013, but it's a, a, a fawn capturing mm-hmm. uh, that Good. we do, um, and it usually happens the first week in January. So we filmed that this year, and, um, you know, we're, uh, we're you know, putting our uh, – putting some effort into uh conservation itself with our time and energy and not just you know uh not just uh trying to wave wave our hands so
2: that's awesome when industry gets involved in conservation and 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 contributes (coughs) in that way too yeah
1: you know we have a conservation booth here for the first time and it's getting a lot of attention and you know we're, we're i've said this I get criticized for it because people say you shouldn't criticize, you know, things you don't do well, but we don't tell our story well enough. Mm-hmm. It's true. We do all, so much. We, You know, Jim and I have worked together for a long time. He's the, the chair of the Mule Deer Working Group. You know, in Idaho, you know, we've planted almost half a million plants on 30-plus thousand acres and burned winter range. You know, we're getting ready to step up our game in Idaho on some migration corridor stuff. And yeah. that. So it's exciting times. And, you know, when we fall back on, we look at, corporate folks like yourself wanting to be involved in the conservation that really just reconfirms what we already know people are in this for conservation right they want to support groups doing the right thing and you know we're just real happy that you're part of the mdf family and because when we turn to folks like jim they're the folks that tell us what we should be doing out there
2: right yeah, it's a partnership definitely a partnership and we can do so much together
1: well, Butch, we've we've uh, taken up enough of your time today. Um, thank you so much for coming back and thank telling you. us that story. Is there any? Are you going back to Mexico this year, or are there, or you on a new quest?
0: <laughs> I I not this year. I I uh, will probably go back uh, next year, um, but uh, you know, hopefully uh, I can shoot uh, uh, some more Mexican Sonora mule deer. Um, I'll be pretty picky. Yeah,
1: the bar's <laughs> set, you know. know.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: That's pretty tough. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jim,
1: as always, thank you for joining us, bringing your wealth of knowledge. And uh, until next time, I'm Steve Belinda, and thank you for talking mule deer.
0: Thanks for talking mule deer with Steve Belinda and Jody Stemmler. The Mule Deer Foundation is the only conservation group in North America dedicated to restoring, improving, and protecting mule deer and black-tailed deer and their habitat. MDF is a strong voice for hunters in access, wildlife management and conservation policy issues. To find out more, visit www.muledeer.org and stay tuned for the next episode of Talkin' Mule Deer.